Hi, Evie. Hey, Nicole. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, cheers. Cheers to the queers. Cheers to the queers. Hold on, hold on. Oh, we did that at the same time. Wow. That was kind of cool. It was like kismet. Kis- I don't think that's the right word. I mean, kismet, but not kismet. <laughs> <laughs> it was like kismet. No. Kis- yes, sure, whatever. I don't think that's still the right word. Kismet? Well, it's- yeah, kismet, isn't that like um, a kind of a pretty coincidence? That's definitely not the dictionary the denotation of it but anyway yeah so I like that it, it was a pretty coincidence I'm gonna take that definition and we're gonna lock it in the memory bank and use it from here on out I think the yeah. actual definition it's a pretty yeah it was, it was a it's kismet how was your week uh my week was kismet no it's not your week was not a pretty coincidence unless it was but it wasn't <laughs> My week was good. Uh, we went up north for the a long uh, holiday weekend. And, you know, again, it's a very remote location, so we weren't really around people, and it was wonderful. We did some kayaking. The most amazing thing, though, is, like, all this erosion that's happened, which is mm-hmm. awful. But all the erosion has caused a lot of the clay from the cliffs to kind of fall down into the water. Yeah. So there was a ton of clay everywhere in the water. So we were taking it and taking it up back to the house and we made all kinds of little uh, fun little dishes with clay. You know, I, I, I started a frog, which I have yet to finish, but like and we experimented with drying them in the sun and then baking them on a low temperature in the oven and then taking them onto the fire pit and cooking them up that way, which was just a really fun, cool thing to experiment with. And it was amazing. Wait, wait, so how do you know the, the difference between like mud and clay? Is like clay just more like dense or? Have you ever worked with clay? Um, when I was in like second grade, I made this clay dinosaur that's <laughs> out of control. It's still at my mom's house. <laughs> it's literally, just imagine like child fingers forming a dinosaur but not like smoothing it out at all so it's just like a really weird like um textured thing and I painted it like like Easter colors so yeah obviously I have worked with clay <laughs> is what I'm getting at obviously um I know clay well but oh, uh it's adorable <laughs> but um so I mean I guess I can kind of think of how it feels it's a, like that mucky thick I wouldn't know enough to, like, pull it out of the water and cook it, though. Well, My ass would probably be cooking mud. I'm not going Well, you can, you can tell the difference between mud. I mean, there's some dirt that has more clay in it, some that has more sand in it. I mean, you can tell the difference between dirt and clay and dirt with clay in it when you see it. You know what I'm saying? Like, clay has a really kind of clay-like color. It's a little bit like a light terracotta. Okay. Um, color. So, I mean, it's not as deep, dark brown as you would have, like, with soil in it. Are we a clay podcast? I think we might be. Uh, actually, one of our ideas was to start a clay and play, but we don't really have all the details worked out yet. But we figure with all the free clay that we can get in Lake Michigan, 
which we really can't do. Um, it's a sound business idea. It sounds like a terrible business idea, but okay. Exactly. Um, so when you cooked it, did it like like solidify or I don't know what clay does, like get hard? Well, it bakes. So if there's any moisture in it, when you're heating it up at a high temperature, it's going to explode. Or if there are any rocks or any foreign particles. <laughs> yeah, I could see myself doing everything wrong on this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can see that too. Yep. All right. Well, that sounds cool. Um, again, I would have definitely picked out like mud and seaweed and baked the whole kitchen and blew everything up. But fun. Um, yeah, it was fun. How was your week? Uh, my week was good. I mean, it's I I worked. I ended up having to work this week when we talked about because I was going to come visit you. Um, but I got a couple days off in the week, so which was okay. Um, yeah, other than that, I'm uh, trying to think of what I did. I feel like I did something fun that I wanted to tell you about, but it's obviously not that fun because I can't think of it. Um, so, yeah, I guess it was an okay week because I can't remember it. Okay, well, I mean, it's better than being traumatized by the week, I guess. I was I was not traumatized by the week. It's That's... very hot, though. I am slightly traumatized by that. Aww. Um, it's really hot. It is uh, 184 degrees. Nicole, Alaska. I mean, Alaska, Iceland, uh, Greenland even, obviously Norway, anything. Any of the Nordic countries or anything cold, hit me up. Siberia. Call her. I, yes. I'm, you know what? At this point, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into it. Um, yeah. So I guess I have nothing to say about my week. So uh, it was pretty exciting, obviously. How about we get to the news? Okay. Break headlines. That sounds right. fan-frickin-tastic. Frickin-tastic. Frickin'. Anyway, we got headlines. <laughs> here they, here she. You're that. That's your part. Do it. Here he, here we. Here they, here she. I <laughs> fucked that up. But hey, listen up, folks. <laughs> we got your headlines here. Breaking headlines. Come Read up about it. Listen up. <laughs> uh, I'll start. How about that? Yes. Starting with a good one. Germany to compensate gay troops for decades of discrimination. Well, sort of good. It sucks that they were discriminated against. <laughs> well, yeah. But, you know, Germany's Germany has a complicated past. It's really yeah. trying to write itself. Yeah. Uh, Germany, yeah. Germany is planning to compensate members of the military who suffered anti-gay discrimination, the nation's minister, Ministry of Defense has announced. The ministry said that it intends to present a draft bill in September to address the injustices done to those soldiers who have been subjected to punitive measures by military disciplinary courts. Um, that's out of the advocate. So that's a good, great start. Good start. Good start. Good start. Way better than what's happening here right now. Tell us about it. The Trump administration will let homeless shelters refuse transgender people. 
Transgender people may be forced to sleep in the street as a result of the policy meant to better accommodate religious beliefs of shelter providers. Now, here's what I'm going to say about this. I'm listening. There literally, if you are trying to say that you are a Christian organization and refuse to shelter trans people as their identity, as opposed to their sex assigned at birth, then you're not fucking Christian and you're not fucking sincerely holding any fucking religious beliefs and you can suck it. Yeah. We're looking at you, Salvation Army, but there are others out there too. For sure. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, at least Germany's moving forward and we're moving backward. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Uh, okay, next story. Detroit man sentenced to life in prison for killing two gay men and a transgender woman. 19-year-old Devon Kareem Robinson's actions were disturbing in so many levels, Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy said. Um, it, yeah, so gets into the whole story. This is on NBC News. Uh, he's a Wayne County uh, jury convicted. I said Devon, but I think it might be Devin because the way that I was reading it kind of came off weird. Okay. Kevin Cream Robinson on first degree premeditated murder in March. Um, in March in the May 2019 killings of 21 year old Alante Davis and 20 year old Timothy Blanchard in Paris Cameron. So he's a piece of shit and he's going to prison for life. So. Right. Well, I think we covered that actually on yeah. the news. It wasn't his defense was something like gay panic. It was gay panic, panic defense. Yeah. yeah. So, yep. Sentenced to life. <clears throat> Oh, well, that is a sad story. And I mean, it's three life terms, so it actually will be life as opposed to what's the regular life term like? Um, what is it like 20 years or something like that? I don't know. Yeah, it's I know I it's should, not, but I don't. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you're a lawyer, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, I've heard like 20 to life, so I feel like life is just life. It's not, though. It's not. Like, it's life, but then you have the opportunity of parole for after a certain point. Well, like, right. Life, yeah, I remember reading it and being like, wait, what? Because I would assume life is just your natural life. Right. But it's not. It's, it's not, It's just a yeah. long fucking ass time. Yeah, but this is like um, three life sentences, so. Well, it depends on if they were, if they're like, if he has to serve them concurrently or consecutively. Consecutive, yeah. If it's uh, consecutive, then it's three separate life sentences, one right after the after after the other. But if it's, it, con- I don't see it right there, so I'm assuming it's consecutive. I well, mean, it says three life terms in prison with no chance of parole, so he's going to prison for good. Well, sad story. Yeah, very sad. I have another sad story. Just wonderful, wonderful news today. Uh, so. Driver kills non-binary Black Lives Matter protester by slamming his car into them. The video shows the protesters dancing the Cupid Shuffle before the murderer's vehicle plowed through the crowd, sending two bodies flying into the air. So Summer Taylor is a 24-year-old, or excuse me, was a 24-year-old non-binary protester in Seattle who was murdered on Saturday morning after a 27-year-old driver named DeWitt Khalid deliberately slammed his white jag into uh, into Summer Taylor and another protester as they blocked the city's I-5 highway in a protest against anti-black police violence. 
Is there any update on the other protester? I know before um, it was a critical condition, but I didn't read anything today. I'll look it up. This article just says that love remains in serious condition. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's all the information that I have, according to this. So, Um, My last story is Putin suggests a Russian brand of rainbow ice cream is gay propaganda that should be managed. This is what he says. (laughs) This is fucked up. I don't like the rainbow, just as I don't like the swastika. Okay, Putin. Super similar symbology there. I mean, he's, yeah, anti-gay LGBTQ sentiment is hitting a fever pitch in Russia as President Vladimir Putin is now calling rainbow ice cream gay propaganda. Um, It's so ridiculous, and it's just kind of like what we were talking about last week, the horribly offensive Russian ad. I mean, Russia, get it together. Well, you know, they did pass the amendments to ban gay marriage there. So, like, what's he fucking bitching about? Eat your fucking ice cream and shut up. I know. I mean, on top of the fact that rainbow ice cream is just delicious. Ice cream is just delicious. Yeah, but there's some that's not delicious. That's fair. That's really fair. I don't like moose tracks. It's too busy. Oh, you're you're just wrong about that. But that's okay. (laughs) <laughs> I I just I like more like rainbow or sherbet stuff like that. Well, or maybe I'll eat all the moose tracks. Like chocolate. I'll eat all the moose tracks and you can have all the rainbows. Okay, I don't like chocolate, so and I don't like marshmallows. Such a weirdo. <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, so that's fucked up news. Uh, yeah, fucked up. Well, I'm, we're gonna end though on a happy note. Good. Or at least a hopeful note. The first case of HIV is in remission. After a breakthrough trial for a cure or during a breakthrough trial for a cure. Nice. So a man was treated with the medication nicotinamide, a form of the vitamin B3. And it's actually been a year since he's tested positive for HIV. So this is positive news in the HIV front. That's awesome. Yeah, that's how we're ending the news on a positive note. Because damn. The world is a fucked up place. It really is. And everything's so fucked up right now. I just don't even know what else to say. Um, oh, except for uh, wear your masks, please. Please. Pretty, pretty, please wear a mask. Yeah. I promise you a mask is not going to make you suffocate. It's not. I know. It's What do people think? That surgeons are like just dying? Like, right. oh, he's, been, he's been under mask for five hours. He's gone. Right. You know? I mean, I'm not going to lie. So um, before, like, any of this happened, like, I kind of consider for a long time. So I really like surgery. Not not getting surgery, but watching surgery, which sounds a little creepy. But yeah. I really, 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 really like it. Like, it's one of my favorite things in the world to do is to watch surgery. Okay. And, like, there's a this, like, app that also you can kind of perform surgery and stuff. You know, obviously it's an app. But, like, I think you told me about this yeah so it's just like an interest so I kind of considered before like being a like a surgical tech or something it's just something I'm passionate about you know I'm obviously not going to be performing surgeries so maybe like in a medical you know position or something I could work somewhere where I could do something like that um, be involved and the mask thing freaked me out because I was really unaware of masks like I did try this one mask once and it was just so weird on my face like it was super big but like now that I wear my mask all the time it is literally not a problem like I can absolutely breathe through it it's not a thing just wear your mask like you know 
you're right. I mean, here's the thing. Like, um, the first time I ever went snorkeling, okay, mm-hmm. not even scuba diving, just snorkeling. So I'm yeah. basically at the fucking surface, yeah. holding on to a floaty. I, I, nothing's going to happen to me unless a shark comes and eats me, right? Sure. So, but still, like, going under the water and learning how to breathe with that to through the tube and with and having the mask on it was a real learning process for me I there were I had serious panic moments yeah I mean well the biggest thing with scuba and snorkeling is panicking like I mean it can be a really it's it is a it's a different feeling but it's also wearing a mask isn't even like that well but that's my point is like eventually I realized okay if I can just relax into this you know and I can breathe normally I don't need to overcompensate and you know freak out here and I was able to like overcome that and it's kind of the same in a mask it's not exactly the same because you don't have to breathe differently you don't have to like figure anything out it's just yeah and I mean if you're having problems okay so I'm I'm, because panic is real like I get it there are some people that you know like panic is real if you're panicking and you're in a situation for nine times out of ten you can take the mask off for a second you know it's not like you're in it. You're not even in a surgical area. Like, you know, like you can take it down for that. If you're having a panic attack or, you know, you can remove yourself from the situation and you can take the mask off. It's not, you're not underwater or anything. I mean, so I get like panic can be real and it can be, it can be brought on by things like that. But the mask is like, like, I mean, I don't personally, like, I don't wear it driving. I don't wear it when I'm by myself. I don't wear it when I'm walking outside. Like, I'll wear it, like, in any social thing or anything with, like, work or anything like that. But I don't get why. I don't understand what people are, like, thinking wearing a mask and nails. Like, it's literally not like you can't put it on. You can never take it off. Right. Like, just put it on. Just put it on when you go to the store. Put it on places, you know? And if you're really having a hard time, if something happens, leave the situation Absolutely. Or get away if from you can't people. manage it, you need to find a way to manage your life without going out into public. Somehow. Yeah, it, or get away from people. Exactly. You know, I just, I don't know. Like, I guess, like I said before, I was always hesitant because I honestly, I put one mask on a long time ago and it was just, it just, it wasn't, it, it didn't fit right is really what it comes down to. And it was a, the N95, it was just big and it felt weird. And I put it on. And also if you wear it for like 10 seconds, you're not going to kind of, you know, you don't feel how it actually feels. But when you put a mask on, like I'm so comfortable with it now. Like, I mean, obviously I should probably just be a surgeon too now at this point. You probably should. Because I can wear a mask and I like surgery. Um, I think, are you a doctor now? So this is actually now a medical podcast. And I am a surgeon. So if you have any surgery questions or if you need surgery, hit me up. Oh, I think this is actually a good idea. We should maybe do a call-in show where (laughs) some of our fans can call in and ask you medical questions. Medical questions? That's a terrible idea. I'm into it. I did perform surgery on my mom's foot once. Um, (laughs) I had to pull out a piece of glass and it was, I really, like, I was boned up about it like I washed my hands I got all prepared she had to like stand backwards and put her foot up on the sink and like I had to pull it out like it was I think I didn't do I don't think I got it but at least numb her with whiskey or gin or something does not drink alcohol um no I told her to buck up but uh suck it up buttercup yeah I don't think I got it but I'm I'm a better surgeon now 
I've been practicing on my app, so if you need surgery, uh, hit me up. Yeah, it's it's legit. All right, so do you want to get into Tiger King? I think we should. It'll be so fun. Yes, excellent. Hey, all you cats and kittens out there. We're here to see if you're not cruising for a bruising, but asking for a baskin. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> well, if you can't tell already, this week we are talking about Tiger, Tiger King. King. I mean, if you couldn't tell by the end of the news, then I don't know what you were thinking. When we said we're going to talk about Tiger King? Yeah, I mean, yeah. just it was a little clue. A little foreshadowing. Uh, if you haven't seen it already, it's fair to say this will be a major spoiler. So if you want to watch Tiger King first and then come back and listen, you know, listen to this episode, that's great. But yes, we it's spoiler alert. Yes. And if you are a person who has resisted watching the Tiger King and potentially have no interest in watching Tiger King, uh, Stick with us. I think that you'll still enjoy this episode because I don't think it's going to be what everybody thinks it's going to be. What do you think, Nicole? No, I did, in fact, adopt an actual live tiger and I've been living with it. So that's what we're going to talk about. Awesome. All right. What's its name? Um, I wanted to say Janice, named after my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but that's the first name that came to me. Oh, well... That would be interesting. Um, don't adopt tigers. Yes, don't, don't do it. We'll start off there. How about that? Don't yeah. adopt tigers. Don't adopt lions. Don't adopt, although I really do want a baby alligator. They're so freaking cute. They really right. are. But then you know what? They grow up to big alligators, and then they're so deadly. Right. Um, Especially they're, if they're meth gators. I, I don't, I mean... I would I would adopt a non-meth gator, but no, don't anyway. Just don't do it. Yeah, and uh, don't do meth. Don't do meth. I think Tiger King is a really good lesson in not doing meth. Good point. That's another thing we'll get into. Yeah. Okay, so um, a little bit about the documentary. It came out. Uh, it was really. I think it's like been the kind of the talk of quarantine. Um, yeah, it kind of came out when quarantine really started happening, like in March, right? Yep. Yeah, and Netflix um, released this documentary. I didn't even hear about it before. I did, however, uh, hear about the podcast. Yes, the it, Joe Exotic podcast over My Dead Body or something like that. Yeah, it, it, so when I started listening to it, it was definitely, I mean, I, now I'm going to say up front, I didn't listen to the whole thing, so I don't know exactly where it went, but... Um, I have a problem with that with podcasts <laughs> when if it's like a binge kind of podcast and it's not all there. Yeah, I'll listen to the first few episodes and then completely forget to go back. Yeah, I fell off of that one pretty quickly as well, because there were so many other things updating. And yeah, eventually I just fell off of it and I was just sort of like, eh. Yeah. So, um, I mean, but it was a good podcast. So basically it's about this guy, um, Joe Exotic. Uh, his real name is Joe Meldon. Maldonado Passage. Maldonado, yes. Maldonado Pass. Yeah, Joe Maldonado Pass Passage. Um, and he runs a roadside zoo in Oklahoma. He's was known to have about 175 plus tigers. I think at one point it was 176. Right. Nice. Um, 
and so the documentary starts off like it kind of seems like it's going to be about um I don't want to say illegal animal trade because it's not illegal, but it's unethical for sure. I would say it's probably, it seems at first that it's going to be about the, the show that is Joe exotic Mm -hmm. and sort of about private zoos and sort of what the underlying issues with, with private zoos are. And sort of the underworld of the private zoo situation. Yeah, the private zoo underbelly. Yes. Yes. Yellow underbelly. No, how about the underbelly of private zoos? It's got tiger stripes. Ooh. Um, it, it's, yeah, so that's kind of what I thought it would be. And, again, what the podcast I thought it would be. But it turns out it was about, it's fucking insane. It was about so much more. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it was definitely a documentary that a documentary series that sucked you in because of all of the bells and whistles attached. I mean, Joe Exotic, aka Joe Maldonado Passage is a gay redneck. Mm -hmm. He, um, he is a polyamorous gay redneck in the middle of rural Oklahoma. Um, he is a big exotic animal trader as well as, um, breeder breeder. Yes. And there's some ethical issues involved in all of that. Um, and then for some people, he, um, you know, he took in a lot of people who have been thrown away from by society, mm-hmm. people who needed a second chance in life. Um, and or gave them if a, it was their last chance, right? That's Absolutely. yeah, that's right. What I got gauged a lot from a lot of the people that work there, like they're like, they're yeah, like that was kind of a not a last hope, but maybe a close to last hope. You're kind of at rock bottom, and Joe Exotic comes in and offers you a place to stay and a job, and you know a little bit of money coming in, and and so you take it and and have some gratitude for that, right? So I mean, there's a lot of exploitation throughout the documentary of all different kinds of things. And that's kind of what we wanted to talk about because you can get caught up in the bells and whistles and all the glitz and the, the drama of this, this gay tiger King in the middle of rural America and all of the dramas that go along with him mm-hmm. or which is, you know, what what drew everybody in. But I think, and I think that that's fun, and and people do enjoy, you know, sort of looking at people who have exposed their lives for entertainment purposes, and and we do enjoy sort of watching it, like you know, in the arena, and and I do that. I'm guilty of that too. But there are still a lot of underlying issues with the Tiger King that we thought that maybe we could address. Yeah, I mean, it it ends up not being a documentary about like the exploitation of animals, which I mean, the core issue, the center issue is that, but almost it's like a comedy based on the the characters of the people that work with the animals. I mean, it really was one thing. It started to be one thing and turned out to be another thing. And, and I mean, I, and I feel safe even just saying that because, I mean, it's agreed. Everybody who's watched Tiger King, which is most people at this point, like there's like 
there's, you know, you find humor in it and there's, I mean, it, it, it like spawned a ton of internet memes and conversations and jokes and, and sympathies for really strange people and situations. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just outrageous. It's, intensely outrageous in every it hits every hot button you could possibly imagine yeah I mean everybody's kind of like a caricature of these characters of themselves in in a, in a certain way at least the bigger uh personalities in the documentary are caricatures of these of themselves you're right no yeah. and- the crazy the, that's that's what makes it so interesting like um okay we'll get into how it's you know there's so much exploitation going on but let's just talk first of all it's it's intriguing it's a crazy ass story it's interesting and it's real you know it did happen you know it's it reminded me a bit of like do you remember the podcast s-town oh yeah okay so i think s-town was one of the most brilliant things i've ever listened to i mean uh, so good and intri- like again almost a character and it even made Alabama like this that town in Alabama a, a character of the town you know yeah and, and Tiger King did that and it and I mean the podcast I'm sure was good and maybe successful in its own right but the Netflix series was unbelievably successful because you were able to watch it right so you were able to see like put faces to these really <laughs> Once again, outrageous characters. Yeah. And the thing that made it interesting is that, like, so, okay, so you have Joe Exotic. And, I mean, you He know, is charismatic. He's got charisma. Yeah. And he's, it's, I mean, it's literally like Joe Dirt. It's so ridiculous. Like, it's so ridiculous that it's almost hard to form a real opinion about. You know, like, it's hard to sit back and think, wait a minute. There's so much misogyny you know, racism, homophobia, exploitation of animals, everything that's, like, bad. There's so much of that going on right now because you're just drawn to this show. And, yeah, I mean, you're right. He is charismatic. And he's, like, uh, yeah. So it's easy to kind of fall into that. And it was for me, for sure. I mean, I watched one episode of it, and I was like, oh, my God, what? And obviously binged the whole rest right then and, like, immediately became a sympathizer of Joe Exotic because of how he is portrayed and how he is. And, like, it's almost like he's, you know, until I really sat back and realized this is a real person doing real things that have real consequences and there's real animals involved and real, you know, before that it was just kind of easy to, like, it was kind of like, it's kind of like he was, like, harmless and lovable, you know? Right. Well, I mean... I think a lot of the way the documentary is shot, I mean, it definitely is shot from a lot of different perspectives, right? I mean, in the sense of you've got Joe Exotic, who, at least as far as he's concerned, you know, he's raising up these tigers the best way that he can and giving them the best life that he can. And 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 that's the end of that, right? And he's just putting on a good show for the people and bringing tigers to regular people and bringing happiness because you can take your picture with a cub right uh-huh. and then you've got carol baskin who is sort of the if if joe exotic were the hero carol baskin would be the anti-hero she is his nemesis exactly i mean she's really painted as the villain in this she is and she is the owner and proprietor of 
the big cat rescue, which is down in Florida. And purportedly, she doesn't abuse animals, right? I mean, and so she is anti-Joe Exotic because he he raises these tiger cubs just for the pictures. And mm-hmm. then most likely either sells them off or kills them because the babies aren't profitable after a certain amount of weeks. Because they become dangerous and they also become mouths. Because they're fucking tigers. And they become mouths to feed, right? And yeah, yeah, exactly. Tens of thousands of dollars a week to feed these tigers. So, I mean, from her perspective, you know, he's exploiting animals and she's fighting the good fight. But from a lot of other perspectives, she's also exploiting animals and potentially murdered her former husband. Which was easy to grab onto, you know, because, I mean, Netflix kind of this is what I wanted to talk about a little bit. So there's two ways to look at this. Um, Okay, so there's all this like misogyny and I mean, there is racism there from Joe, especially and transphobia and all this stuff that's going on in this real life but then there's also what netflix did with this documentary and you know how problematic netflix kind of became and complicit they became and in the way that it was you know shot in the way that it was like the way that it was put out there for people to see you know again like joe is this kind of sort of weird southern queer polyamorous harmless hero and carol is this like woman who's out to get him who is a you know a potential murderer she's a vengeful woman i mean it really is i mean it definitely 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 shows how you know society how i mean i don't know much about the big cat world but how women are looked at as vengeful and i mean the amount of times that she's referred to as a bitch is astounding It is astounding. But one of the things I wanted to kind of talk about with her particularly is, so when they're interviewing her, uh, her former husband, Don, her, his uh, ex-wife and children, one of the things that I thought was the most interesting was that they, and I think the way the documentary kind of pushed the narrative was really to make it that Carol is a villain, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. she was this pretty young thing who stole this woman's husband. Never mind that he cheated on her their entire marriage. Yeah. They excuse that as sex addiction, right? They excuse his bad behavior as sex addiction. And they put all of the onus of their relationship onto Carol. Like it was her that broke the vows, right? Mm -hmm. And they put all of the blame onto her for all of these things. And it sounds to me like, I don't know, rewatching it, it was, I really paid close attention to this fact that, I mean, he was going down to Costa Rica at least once a month and he had a girlfriend down there. The last phone call he ever has with his quote unquote best friend is, if I'm able to pull this off, it'll be the biggest thing I ever did. To me, that all sounds like he fucking, he fucking successfully faked his death and or disappearance. Yeah, that's what that sounds like to me. You know what I'm saying? It was young, too. Yes, she was very young. She was 20 to 30 years his junior. Yeah, she was 19 at the time. I mean, so she was a money grubbing evil woman who killed him off and fed him to the tigers. Which makes for a great story and a great villain. 
But there's literally no proof of this. And it looks a lot different when you talk about the things that he did, the kind of person he was, and how she was actually just 19. Right. Uh, it's a little different. Yeah. It's I a mean, little different. I agree. And I, I mean, like, listen, I don't know what happened, but there's literally nothing in this documentary that suggests to me that she did for sure do it. Yeah. Other than a bunch of bitter people who loved him thinking that she did it. Which is easy to do. That's easy to, you know, it's easy to be that person. Exactly. And it's understandable from their perspective. I get it. You know, I'm just saying that when I look at it from a larger perspective, I just don't see it as necessarily the case. Yeah. Doesn't sound like to me he was a great family man to begin with. Yeah. It's draped in misogyny. And that's the thing with the whole documentary is. I mean, it's very misogynistic. I mean, the fact that they allowed Joe Exotic to constantly say, I'm going to kill that bitch. Oh, and yeah. I mean, to have that, like, have that is that being the narrative. Yet, you know, Joe Exotic notoriously made a bunch of racist statements that Netflix kept out of the documentary. I mean, I think that that speaks volumes to like, yeah, of course. I mean, racism is gross, but I mean, this is this is the person that you chose. This is like documentaries. First of all, should be kind of objective, you know. Agreed. Agreed. And and racism <laughs> should have absolutely been kept in there because the misogyny sure as fuck was. It sure as fuck was, and that right there. I mean, that's so gross. Netflix, do better. I yeah. mean. I'm sure Netflix is listening to this right now, but do fucking better. Like, it was cute. It was funny to be misogynistic. And that misogyny carried over into so many other platforms. Like, as per usual, I'll bring up TikTok because you know that is my drug of choice. So there were so many videos that were, like, cosplayer, like, you know, dressing like Joe Exotic and, like, just kind of making the jokes about like Carol Baskin, like how she killed her husband, how she's this, how she's that. Like, and even in Netflix, in the documentary, when they showed the video of him, I mean, how disturbing was that? Him shooting the like doll thing that was like made to look like Carol Baskin. Right. The blow up doll. Yeah. I it's mean, that's really disturbing. Yes. Fucking creepy and gross. But, but they took out all of his racist remarks, which apparently there were a lot. That there doesn't were a lot. Me. Yeah. So, I mean, it just goes to show that misogyny is an, it's not a problem, you know, and Netflix, the fa- like if they would have left everything in. Yes, it's a it's a documentary like it's a documentarian's dream to find a story like this, you know, and right. I get it and I understand, but they should have left everything in. Agreed. And I think the thing is, too, is like that selective censoring by the documentarians doesn't give people a full view of Joe Exotic as a person. I mean, you can start the documentary by offering trigger warning, content warning and, you know, noting that there will be racist statements, misogynist statements, whatever in the documentary. You know what I'm saying? There will Mm -hmm. be animal abuse. There will be these things that occur in this documentary. And, you know, we don't we don't abide by this shit, but Hey, this is who this guy is. And this is who we made a documentary of. And so this is what you're going to see. Exactly. But they definitely had a perspective that they wanted to show and they definitely needed sort of the, you know, the Carol to the Joe. And she was definitely painted as the evil one throughout the documentary. Even when I think they were interviewing her, um, 
there was a lot of uh, almost showing her as this, you know, earth mothery, like hippie kind of cat lady um, in a way to almost discredit her and to show she's kind of just a little baddie, but just baddie enough to probably have killed her husband and, you know, be trying to take Joe Exotic down with her vast millions that she inherited from that, from the husband that she supposedly murdered. Exactly. That's what it, it, that's what Netflix decided to do it. Like it decided to tell a story as opposed to presenting a story. Right. Big problem with documentaries because it should just be objective. You know, the whole point of a documentary is like, you know, you don't want commentary. You don't want to be told a story. You just want to be shown a story and then you can make the decision. Yes. And And I feel like that was the thing. The way they paint Carol is they lead you to a decision about her. They lead you to the decision that she has killed her husband. Therefore, she is not a good woman. So, I mean, yeah, so Netflix is complicit in all of this. I mean, these decisions were made. Again, they took out the racism. They left in the misogyny. I mean, he literally said, I'm going to kill that bitch. Left in all of that. So it shows, like, you know, the angle that they wanted to go in. And, okay, so, you know, beyond Netflix, you get to the actual people involved in this documentary. Yeah. There's so many things to unpack with these people. And, yes, Yes. Carol Baskin is problematic in her own right. And I don't know if she killed anybody I don't know what she did I don't truth be told I even looked into it I still don't 1000% understand the animal trade enough to know if what she's doing is right I think her intention is better than Joe Exotics as far as like rescuing captured because I don't know that they could I I don't know that they can just take tigers and like just put them back I don't even know where you'd put them back to be truthful I mean I think that was the, the probably the most heartbreaking thing to me was learning that the majority of tigers that exist in this world are in captivity. Oh and yeah. That's, just that's such a, a thing, small yeah. number that are actually in their natural habitats. It's just, that's really, really heartbreaking. Yeah. So, I mean that, that, I, that fact I did find really heartbreaking and disturbing and not cool at all. But, uh, Speaking of misogyny, I mean, there are other characters in this saga, right, of of the animal trade who I also found to be really misogynistic in their views, right? Like, yeah. uh, I mean, the other two major characters that I can think of that I, I really saw a lot of misogyny from was Joe Lowe and... Uh, his sort of objectification of women in general and the use of tiger cubs to sort of get laid. And oh, yeah, in Vegas? So disgusting. And yeah. then on, and then the other guy, the uh, Bhagavan Doc Antle. Okay, yeah. here's the first thing I'm going to say about him, and it's going to be super judgy, bitchy, and catty. Catty, get it? <laughs> <laughs> that was actually really funny. <laughs> but... Dude literally could never have gotten laid without a tiger. That's all I'm going to say about pretty much any of these guys, but him most especially because he's such a fucking like jack off nerd dude that like, sorry. Are we talking about Doc Antle? 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, he's the wannabe cult leader guy. That's why he goes by Bhagavan. He's not even a fucking doctor. Like, what the fuck, dude? That's the thing. Yes. Like, he, like, I mean, it's literally kind of a harem situation there. Like, he, it shows, so, I mean, I did a little research on that. Now, I didn't specifically find, um, you know, that there were, uh, uh, like, underage girls living there, but there were girls that were very young living with Doc Antle. Like, he was obviously kind of predatory in the way that he was finding women. Now, the woman who, like, uh, was in the documentary, who was later um, interviewed, she actually reached out. But he did hire her right on the spot. But otherwise, it seems like he was, you know, what he was offering, and he was just offering it to women, you know, younger women, was um, like we talked about with Joe Exotic, you know, like a like last chance situations. He was paying him $100 a week, which is insane. And they're working uh, around the clock. They're not yeah. actually, you know, just, you know, punching in nine to five. And in sexual relationships, with, like a sexual relationship with him for the most part. Well, and he picks all of their clothes. I mean, the fact that he only hires attractive young women says something huge already. And, um, you know, they're uh, ch- after they work with him, they're changing their name. The one young woman who was um, interviewed in the documentary, she did get a breast uh, breast implants. Like, it, there's definitely something cultish going on there. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's so, it's so culty. I mean, with the Bhagavan, you've already got, like, I am God. And like, they yeah, of, like, a guru, like, trying to, like, m- you know, make that, like, it's a spiritual adventure yeah. as opposed to just a fucking horrifying working conditions, working in uh, what should be an illegal zoo with um, a gross predator. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. Real spiritual. Yep. Um, so yeah, so the women were kind of treated as like you remember it kind of reminds me of, you know, remember those like old magician shows where you had like the woman assistant? Absolutely, yes. That's exactly the pretty woman assistant. Or even the game shows with the pretty woman assistant. Oh yeah. I mean they're props. Women the women are props. They are props. Showcase the tigers that are also props to make them money. And that's called exploitation, kids. And it's disgusting. I mean, I think for the most part, though, with Doc Antle in the documentary, at least they kind of, they did lay it out. You know, they didn't paint him to be a sympathetic character as much as, much as they did with Joe Exotic. Sure, but he was also not the focus. So they no, could afford to offer up, you know, other bad characters, other bad peripheral yet major characters in this right yes yep but I mean it also I mean he was also super anti-Carol Baskin right so he's on team Joe it's it's all these dudes sort of especially I mean they're all fucking white dudes like coming to the you know defense of of Joe Exotic because Carol Baskin that bitch Yep. And I mean, and that just like, like I was saying earlier about the amount of misogyny in the big cat community. Um, again, I'm not <laughs> overly familiar with the big cat community, but like from the documentary and from the research I did, there is a shit ton of misogyny in it. And I mean, which I mean, there's misogyny everywhere. But if it's, if something something is big and, you know, Netflix is responsible for a lot of like 
like culturalism right now. You know what I mean? Like, especially being quarantined, we obviously are all turning to these different like platforms for our entertainment. Netflix is a big one, maybe the biggest cultural influence. Yes. Yes. And they have like a lot of influence and they should, you know, take that. They should be more responsible with it because this was, it was pretty irresponsible to like, air this documentary with those kind of edits and to show how it's okay to say I'm going to kill that bitch and to refer to her as a bitch constantly and still make her out as the, you know, the, the villain, whereas Joe exotic is the victim. Like, no. Yeah. Netflix. Yeah. I agree. Do better. Yeah. I mean, for a bunch of fucking dudes who say they love pussy, they sure treated pussy like shit. (laughs) Oh, baby. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. That is true. Okay. You know, I'm looking for all the puns I can right now. <laughs> I'm clawing for them. It, I mean, Joe Exotic didn't love pussy, but yeah. No, but we could actually talk about the fact that he was gay and he did have a couple of husbands there. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean... So getting going to like the homophobia and again, the racism, which I want to talk about, I I feel like that should it's as a whole other episode. I feel like we should make this a two parter. I think it has to be a two parter. There's just too much to unpack here. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I want to get into what's basically boils down to sex trafficking and his husband's his straight husband's just the whole thing. You know, the drugs, the meth, everything. There's so much more to unpack. Um, And, I mean, you know, like, again, I I love that we're having this conversation. And it comes at a good time, too. Um, I'm sure this week you were made aware that Hamilton aired on Disney+. Plus. Yes, yes. Yes, I know it's a little bit of a... um, a transition there, but I wanted to talk about this a little bit because it kind of ties into this. It's a little bit of a detour that actually brings us right back to on track. Yeah. So Hamilton airs this this week, and now I absolutely, absolutely love Hamilton. I love every note, every beat, every word, all of it. The soundtrack is unlike anything I've ever heard in my entire life. I remember, so I lived in Boston at the time, and I remember being like, it can't be this good. Put my headphones on. And I was, like, going to go out for a city day. That's what I call, like, I take the train downtown and just walk on, like, the wharfs and stuff. And the fact that Boston is so, like, historic, it's so brilliant to be listening, you know, to listen to that stuff there. When you can see, like, Samuel Adams' grave and see all the stuff and, you know what I mean? Like, walk the Freedom Trail. Like, I get it. Yeah, there's America is so problematic, but there's just something to be said listening to this historical stuff in in that city. So I did it, and it was unbelievable every single note it just it was so good Lin-Manuel Miranda is an incredible musician incredible lyricist well Hamilton aired on Disney plus as a movie now I I check Twitter for the news often and I found it really interesting that so many people were tweeting about how ha- like problematic Hamilton is and it truly fucking is. I mean, Alexander Hamilton, although it's not, there's no actual record of him owning slaves. He did buy and sell slaves for his, like, his in-laws, you know, the Schuyler sisters, the Schuyler, the family. Like, he, so he wasn't. He participated in the slave trade, even if he wasn't a slave owner. Exactly. That's what you're and, saying. Yeah. 
he wasn't an abolitionist. It was he was very he was he was problematic in his own right in a lot of ways and a lot all the founding fathers were and you know Hamilton was supposed to be reimagined as people of color and you know Hamilton left the Caribbean so he wouldn't be part of the you know so he didn't get swept up in the decline of the slave trade there and there's you know and he believed to have like. Uh, he wanted presidents to, you know, not have any terms, no terms on, like, government. And there were a lot of problems there. And But it's so hard to reconcile that with, the like, the fact that I love it, the fucking place so much. And, you know, and that's where I feel like we're kind of in a similar boat with Tiger King. Yeah. It's so entertaining, but it's so problematic. But, um, you know, I, I did, so I read a lot about it because I was like, okay, should I... I mean, sometimes I just have to ask myself, should I not like this? <laughs> I know it's not that simple, but still. But I, you know, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda and uh, other people tweeted, like, the, Hamilton was introduced to us in two different worlds, you know, it, coming out in 2016 versus being a movie in 2020. These are two different worlds. These are two different times. And I think that that's a brilliant way to look at it, you know, and I'm talking about Hamilton specifically here because I love the fact that it's two different worlds. That means this conversation's happening. Yeah. You know, it means that this conversation is brought to the table and it's an actual conversation. Whereas the problem with Tiger King is it was literally introduced in 2020. And it is scary to me that it is not like two different worlds. It's not, it's not even a conversation we're having as far as the misogyny goes, you know, and racism is gross and I mean I there are so many problems that I'd like to get into that more next week um you know not as much with as far as Netflix go but as far as Joe Exotic goes I mean he's flat out fucking racist yeah the misogyny you know it shows we are still in this one world because it's not too com it's not two different worlds yet we're not having other conversations and Netflix which again like I said is you know responsible for so like, you know, responsible for so much entertainment right now, they're not even invested in that other conversation yet because they completely did such a disservice to people by with this documentary. And well, then, I mean, I think that, that that really does go to a lot of other things that they sort of showcase but sort of ignore. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's the, I mean, like we were talking about the, the situation with Joe Exotic's husbands and I mean, there's a real conversation to be had within the LGBTQ community about intimate partner violence and what that looks like within our communities. And I think Joe Exotic is a real fucking place to at least start having a conversation about it within the communities. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Um, because, I mean, the fact is, is that his first two husbands were straight. Yeah. The reason that they were with him is because of meth. Yeah. Well, drugs, I mean, yeah. I mean, and one of the uh, one of the zookeepers talked about how his boy, Joe Zada kept one of his husbands high the literally for years. So he never, like, woke up and was like, wait, what the fuck? Exactly. And I mean, we're not being like, like, I get, I get it that a lot of people even claim to be straight that are not like, literally these, you watch the documentary and you'll see what we're talking about. Like it, his relationships are so 
fucking problematic and gross. Like, it's not okay. No, and but that's something I, I really, like, I want to, I want to dive deeper into um, next week for sure. I really want to get into yeah. the nuances of his two relationships um, because they, you know, they deserve to be talked about. And yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. I mean, misogyny, I, misogyny is runs rampant in this documentary. And again, I watched it. I watched the whole thing. I binged it. So I'm not, you know, I'm not judging anybody who watches it. And it's, it's a fun documentary to watch, but I do, you know, hope that you watch it with, um, you know, taking this all into consideration because it's really easy to get lackadaisical about misogynistic, you know, narratives and just to kind of get, it's another white man with a platform. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot more to unpack with this. And I agree with you. I mean, listen, I'm complicit too. I watched it. I laughed. I made fun. I had a really great time at other people's expense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm definitely guilty. I'm complicit. But at the same time, you know, I think that there is something to be said for sometimes, you know, we do have to turn off our brains when the world is fucking a nightmare and we have to just sort of sit and be entertained and that's fun and it's great, but I think it's also worthwhile to sort of go back and re-examine that stuff. Right. And, and put these lenses on and say, okay, so here's why it is problematic. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about those things. That's how we evolve. Right. Absolutely. So let's, um, let's continue this conversation next week. All right. I'm in. All right. You want to get to our crushes? I think that would be the wisest choice we've ever made. Absolutely. Nicole, who is your crush? My crush this week is Abby. And Abby knows exactly who she is. Abby, who lives in small town Maine. I adore her. She's one of my oldest friends. She got me this really beautiful bracelet. It's the bracelet I sent you the picture of. I love that bracelet. Thank you, Abby. That's amazing. So cute. And on the inside, but which could also be the outside, it says stay weird. Which is just like the podcast. And I love it. And she's so thoughtful. And she just she's going through some stuff right now, but she's doing an awesome job. Um, she is just incredible and she's beautiful and smart and funny and all that. And I love her. Aw. Yay. Abby. Well, yay. We're here for you, Abby. For anything you need, Abby. Who is your crush this week? My crush this week is Allie Ward. She is the podcaster who does the uh, show Ologies that I talk about quite often. Good show. It's really good. And for Pride Month, she did a two-parter on sex and gender from a science perspective and interviewed a gender fluid uh a person uh scientist named uh daniel flau and it's just the two episodes are really good they're really enlightening and it's filled with so much love and she fucks up on the episode in terms of like one of the things that she says and she owns it and and makes amends and tries to learn from it so this is the kind of ally that we need in yeah. our communities and I just absolutely love her. She's adorable. The show is amazing. It's wonderful. You will learn so fucking much and I highly recommend at least listening to those two episodes because it really will help you understand 
sexuality, sexual orientation, uh, gender assigned at birth, and uh, transgender identities and non-conforming, uh, non-binary identities. It's just, it's excellent. So I highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah it crushes. Um, yeah, I love that. And I like, I mean, that's kind of what I feel like we aspire to be, you know, we will fuck up, but I want to own it and try to grow from it. So absolutely, same here. I mean, you know, I posted something on one of the Facebook groups that I'm in and earlier this week, and it was something that I thought was funny. I have a pretty bent sense of humor though. And, uh, you know, a couple people were kind of upset by what I had posted and, and instead of, I mean, initially my gut reaction was to be a little bit defensive and a little bit hurt, right, by it. And instead I was just like, you know what, I'm going to own this and I'm just going to apologize and try to make amends because there's no good reason for this. Not everybody thinks and sees the world the way I do. And so it's, you know, it's my job to just listen. And if somebody is telling me that this is problematic, then I need to hear it. So, yeah, we all need to do a little bit more of that. I love that. All right. Um, so check us out on our socials. Um, you can find us at Queered Podcast on Instagram. At Queerdos on Facebook. And send us a message. And if you do, we will try to, like, you know, reach out to you and respond. And also, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us out. Yeah, it's hard sometimes to get back to you super quickly because we get so many messages, but please do leave us a message. We will try to address whatever comments and concerns, anything, absolutely. Anything you've got, yeah. All right, so stay weird. Be queer. Talk to you next week. Bye.